I read this a lot because it comes back in and it, and it brings people into that correct perspective after being in the world, after being in religion. It brings people back in and gets the, because people have a tendency to blame God for all the bad and then blame luck for all the good. No, it's God. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. And there's no variable of turning in Him. No shadow of turning. What it says is God is not your enemy. God is not your problem. God isn't causing you to suffer. God isn't stealing from you. God isn't making you sick. God isn't allowing bad things in your life to teach you something. God doesn't hate you. God sent Jesus to die in your place because He loves you. God has given you access to His life. His name, His power, His authority, His spirit, His promises, His armor, His miracle gifts, His nature, His abundant grace, His mercy, His love, joy, and peace. He has given you the keys to His kingdom. Renew your heart and your mind to these truths. And, and for so much of my life, this is where religion dropped the ball. I'm not saying they were bad, mean people. They did have a love for God. They, they would talk about the Bible, but they would not bring into the Bible mindset of who we are in Christ in so many aspects, and it will cripple you. It will absolutely cripple you. If you are living in this new covenant after the coming of Jesus Christ, after His death, burial, and resurrection, ascending to the right hand of the Father, and sending His Holy Spirit to live inside of you, if you still have an Old Testament mindset, you will be crippled in this world. If you're still looking at God as if He's an angry God dealing with fallen man, you will misunderstand everything in the Bible and it will not make sense to you. And you'll have, you'll have an, an, like I tell people, go through and, and, and focus in on the epistles and then use that to go back and interpret the rest of the Scriptures. And people hate that. If they have an Old Testament mindset, they prefer, I just want to read a psalm. I just want to read a proverb. I just want to go back and look at Isaiah and because that appeals to them more because in their mind they cannot see who God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Scripture said Jesus Christ came to reveal the Father, to manifest the Father. If what you see of God does not line up with who Jesus Christ is, change your theology. Whenever we see what Paul said, whenever he's given the recount of his call from the Lord Jesus Christ personally, whenever he's standing before the magistrate and he's giving him the account of, of how Jesus knocked him down on the road to Damascus and how he gave him this understanding and in this he gives and it's written in red if you have a red letter edition because this is the word of Jesus Christ that was spoken to him. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, and what he gives here is not just a call to Paul because this is the same guy that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 said, you follow me as I follow Christ. And then we see what I'm going to read to you now. We see this in all of his letters to the church in various aspects you will see this same breakdown. He gives it to you, to all believers, and said, you better walk in it too. 
and the call was verse 18, you open their eyes, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. He says, by faith which is in me, by faith which is in Jesus Christ. And you see that power, that authority, that willingness to go into a lost and dying world and bring that gospel. This is why Paul could say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because he understood that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who will believe. Now, one of the points that we were bringing out last time was regarding how that Paul would go into a city. Any of the New Testament believers would. You can see Philip. You can see he was just a table waiter. He was a deacon in the church. But he would go into a city and he would proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And if they received it, what happened? Power happened. That's what happened. Dunamis happened. If they would receive the message of Jesus Christ, people would be saved, healed, delivered, set free. But what if they didn't believe it? If they didn't believe it, someone as anointed and having a direct commission from Jesus Christ like the Apostle Paul could go into a city and if they would not receive the gospel, he could do nothing there. What would happen? They would try to kill him. That's what would happen. It would either be revival or riots. No in-between. He didn't leave a room for in-between. Even whenever he went in and out to Mars Hill, all these Greek philosophers, they like to stand up and just give new ideas. And he stands up and says, I got a new idea for you. He says, I walked around and I, and I beheld all of your idols. He said, you people are far too superstitious. That's the way the King James and some of the new translations say far too religious. The word is actually superstitious. You people are far too superstitious. And he pointed out, you've got a God for everything and I noticed that you had an idol for the unknown God. And that's the one I want to tell you about. The one who created heaven and earth. The maker of all things. And he, de and he declared Jesus Christ unto them. And whenever you see. After it's over with. Some of the people. They all reasoned together. And it said a few believed. A few had questions. Wanted to know more about it. And some of them just straight out didn't believe it. And then the apostle Paul left that area. And never came back again. Now, whenever we think about the, the way that God has decided to do things, guess what? We don't get to tell God what to do. Hey, that's, that sounds like a revelation. But there are a lot of people right now trying to tell God what to do. We don't tell God what to do. But we have to be determined and persuaded. I'm going to line up with his word, his will, and his way. And man, that sounds like such simple theology. Just line up with God's word. The problem is you've got a line of people trying to tell you not to believe the word of God. You've got the line of, a line of people with, the, with doctors and initials before and after their name telling you why you shouldn't believe the Bible. And people fall for that garbage. And it hurts people. It absolutely hurts people to where you can go into an area and uh, one of the missionaries, I believe, not missionary, but uh, revival, I think it was T.L. Osborne, but he had talked about because he had these great healing crusades and these great crusades all over Africa and other countries, 
And they, they were asking him, like on a Christian TV show thing, they had a bunch of ministers lined up and they were like, why is it when you had it in America, you didn't see the same results? There were still people saved, still people healed, still people delivered, but not on the same level. And all these other ministers who hadn't done it, they chimed in with why they thought, well, here we have hospitals, and here we have things people can put their faith in. Here, and he just sat there quietly listening. Finally, they get to the one the question was asked for him, and he said, I know exactly why. He said, I learned early on in my ministry, he said, if I can get to them before certain denominations do, if I can get to them before they've heard a watered-down version of the gospel and I go in and I just declare to them Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and then I read about who Jesus Christ is, they will flood the altars. They'll be saved, healed, delivered. If there's demon-possessed people, the demons will be cast out. And he says it's, it's almost effortless. He said, but if I go to an area where certain denominations have already in, uh, inoculated them to the gospel, giving them a watered-down dead version, they don't care. They can sit there and hear the same faith-filled, powerful preaching, hear the same gospel, the same Holy Spirit is moving, but they just will not receive from God. They just will refuse it. They will reject the things of God, and they'll have a religious excuse why it's okay. And you just never know. And maybe God did this for a reason. And we don't know what the will of God is whenever he was reading them the will of God, explaining to them what the will of God is because God's word and his will are not different. If your word and your will are different, what's that called? A liar. That's what it's called. And they're calling God a liar. And they've decided, I don't have to operate in the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. I'll do it in my own human effort and I'll call it Christianity and it'll be good enough and that's why America is in the state it's in right now. That's why the country is in the state it's in right now where you can come into any given town and there'll be 10, 20, 30, 40 churches. Each one has 10 or 20 people huddled up inside of it and it's as if they're the victims of society instead of them being the head and not the tail, instead of them being above and not beneath, instead of them being more than conquerors, declaring a gospel that they're willing to die for, they're sitting back saying, I don't know, what if they cancel me? What if they talk ugly about me? What if I give Jesus a black eye? And they're so afraid and they're so timid and that is not Bible Christianity. One of the, the biggest lies that is believed right now in our day is that you can be both a coward and a Christian. You cannot. Even this morning, whenever we went through Revelation chapter 21, where I read the verse, verse 8, where he pointed out the first two people in his list of those who would be cast into the lake of fire that burns forever and ever in torment, the first two he listed were the fearful and the unbelieving the fearful and the unbelieving, God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you have a spirit of fear, you did not get it from... You did not get it from God. And now you have to look and say, well, where did it come from? Why do I have this anxiousness? Why do I have this fearful, certain looking unto judgment? Why do I have this fear of man? Why do I have this fear of the future? 
because it did not come from Almighty God. Where did it come from? There's an open door somewhere in your life. You have allowed the voice of another to come in and supplant the Word of God. And what needs to happen is, and, and, and even if you're saying, I love God and I, and I believe on Jesus Christ to take me to heaven when I die, but if you have fear of the future, if you have fear of people, I'm telling you, you need to have your eyes opened and you need to be turned from the power of Satan to the power of God. And you need to be a willing vessel for him in the earth. You need to allow God to work in you and through you. The scripture points out that, that we have renounced the hidden things of darkness. The NIV says we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. The, the understanding there is there has to be in a Christian's life, there has to be a time whenever they will denounce and renounce the things of the world. Well, they will refuse to handle the word of God dishonestly. Well, they will refuse to settle for a Christianity that is less than Bible Christianity. There has to come a point in my life, there has to come a point in your life where you can honestly and sincerely before God say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. There ha that is the mindset of a Christian. I will count everything else as dung. That's manure. I will count everything else as dung for Christ's sake. And that is not common. The understanding that, that the life that I'm living now in the flesh is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who died for me. That's what a Christian is. The fact that we have, that I have settled for something less than that. The fact that that whole church denomination can settle for something less than that. That is what the problem is. And right now, what one man had pointed out, he was doing a Bible, um, Bible college class. He had established multiple churches across America. And he talked about a time when he, and what his method was, he was a businessman, he would come in, set up a business, and he would make sure the business was big enough to accommodate for him to have Bible studies. And once he got a group of Bible studies together, it ended up turning into um, a church with a Christian daycare and be a giant church. Then he would get leadership, get a pastor to take it over, and he would go do it again in another town. And he pointed out how that he went into one town and he was doing this and he kept meeting all of these spirit-filled believers who loved God, but there were no spirit-filled churches in the town. And they were talking, man, I, I want to I wanna be a part of that. Let me know. And he said whenever he started trying to get it together, he found out they were lying. They did not want a spirit-filled church there. They wanted to be the special one, the fly-by-butterfly in that dead church because they were special in that dead church. In that dead church, they seemed, woo, they seemed spiritual. They were sister spiritual when they were in a dead church and they got some amount of gratification from it. And then whenever he started establishing this work there, they didn't want to be a part of it. So he moved an hour down the road and ended up starting a church. It flourished, went great. But, but I remember whenever he said that, I thought, oh, man, at what point of my life was I like that? 
And how many people today are like that where they know the truth, but they're willing to sit there and listen to a man lie, where they're willing to sit there and they'll, they'll mark it up to ignorance. He just don't know. He just don't know. No, no, the Holy Spirit is the leader of the church. We do not have the right to be ignorant anymore. One man was explaining to me how that I was talking about these things and he's, without talking bad about people, but, but he, he's, he's in this leadership position and he's talking about it and he's trying to tell me how he didn't believe in the things of God for today and, and, and I'm explaining to him and finally I asked him, I said, are you even called to be a pastor? Absolutely I am. Yes, yes I am called to be a pastor. I said, how did he call you? He's like, oh... You had to believe that God is working today and He's alive today. He's speaking today or else He ain't calling pastor today. You see, there are some that are sent and some that went. <laughs> Whenever we see the, the aspect of where we are now, unbelief is so common, even among church people. Unbelief is taught. But there has to be people who will stand up and say no more. There has to be people who will come in and as he said, turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God and it starts with you. It starts with me living it. It starts with me in my prayer closet. It starts with me getting alone with God, getting all of this stuff finally. What does the word of God really say? Because if you don't know actually for sure what his word says on that subject. You cannot stand in faith on that subject. You cannot have Bible faith until you know the will of God in that area. I'm not talking about uh, faith in faith. And I believe in believing. No, no, no. We have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Not faith in faith. Somebody can have faith in that speaker. Not having believing and believing, you can have a, a good motivational speaker to get you to believe in yourself. No, no, no. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in His Word. And until you know what the will of God is on that subject, the Bible doesn't even call it faith. Abraham, the father of, the father of faith, he was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. He heard a word from God. And when he acted on that word, what did the Bible call it? Faith. And then he got the next word from God. And when he acted on it, what did the Bible call it? Called it faith. And now you have the word of God. And when you act on it, it is called faith. It's called faith. It was John G. Lake who had said that, that revival is just when Christians start obeying the Bible. Revival is just when Christians start obeying the Bible. Whenever we look at the way this is, how that the call of the Christian is to walk into this world, and yes, there are demonic authorities, there's principalities, there's powers, there are these powers of darkness over areas. I've went into some areas where you could just feel that wickedness. I've went into some houses where you could just feel the wickedness. One lady called because her adult daughter was suicidal. And I go in there, and as soon as I walk in, she got a big bookshelf, but it's all set up with, with books of witchcraft and pentagrams and, and, and statues of Satan and incense burning. And I walk in there, and she's talking about how she wants to kill herself, and she's so depressed. I said, you've got the devil in your house. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. What did you think he was going to do? She's like, What? What did you actually think he was going to do when you allowed him in there? 
But you see, a lot of people have allowed them in their lives and they don't have a shrine set up. A lot of people have allowed them in their heart and mind through doubt and unbelief of God's Word. Whenever we see that our mission is we go into this lost and dying world and we proclaim this gospel God's way. We go into this world and even though there's a stronghold in an area, you go into that area and the problem is people in that area have submitted to that spirit. That's what it is. Satan has been stripped of all of his power at the cross according to Colossians chapter 2. So all he has is back to the garden power of deception. And now he's slipping up to them and saying, has God said? And he's getting them to doubt God's word and God's character, just like he did then. And he's getting people to yield to him and his way of doing things in that area. And the Bible calls it a stronghold in their minds. And now you come to them and you present them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. You bring this dead man, what the Bible says is spirit and life. Jesus said, my words are spirit and are life. Now you bring them the word of life. Pre-adventure that God grant them repentance and they come to an acknowledgement of the truth and deliver themselves from the snare of the devil. You bring them the gospel and if they will receive that and declare Jesus as their Lord, that other thing can't be their Lord anymore. And now as you go in there and you proclaim the gospel to individuals and individuals receive the gospel, they turn, they turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to the power of God and it will break that stronghold over that community. But you still have to be the one to go. In Romans chapter 10, whenever he's given what we, the way of salvation, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. But he said, how will they believe on whom they have not heard? And how will they hear unless the preacher preaches and, and the word there is not as in a platform person. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a proclaimer, a heralder, someone who will give the gospel, not just an office of a preacher. And how will they hear unless the preacher preaches? Whenever we realize how serious this is in your life and in my life, all of these things are supposed to be the natural outflow of a life surrendered to God. The gifts of the Spirit, the empowerment of the Spirit, the baptism in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is supposed to be somebody yielded to the Holy Spirit of God and just saying, Lord, I want to do it your way. But what we end up with is all of these religious barriers to where somebody's there and they're willing and ready to do it God's way. Uh, but you know, Reverend Deacon Bishop so-and-so said that that's not for me. And they'll choose his word over the word of God. And that causes such bondages in people's lives. It causes such ignorance in people's lives. And then they end up because they'll still have that passion to do it, but they'll do it in their own power, in their own willpower, in their own ideas, and it'll keep falling through. And how long can you keep doing that and keep failing and keep failing until finally you're going to say, this is stupid. I'm not going to keep doing that. Finally, you'll end up giving up. Finally, if you lean on the arm of flesh long enough, it will fail. Because it's not by might. 
It's not by power. It is by God's Spirit. That's why we're here right now. I want to go through a Q&A time. Question and answer time. And I want to just clear up any of these things. Any questions you've had. Anything that you feel like needs to be explained in a better way. We need to have those questions answered. Amen. We need to go through those things from God's Word. Settle things in your heart and your mind because that is how you're going to get your faith established. Once you know what God's Word and His will is in that area, now you've got a platform to stand on. Amen. Amen.